Okay, welcome to episode 19 of Across the Pond. My name is David Ashbaugh, as always, joined by my co-host Sixten Funquist. And Sixten, unfortunately for you, you weren't able to join for the interview uh, yesterday with uh, Brendan Morrison. And uh, Sixten was a little upset about that. I may or may not have given David the finger right now. <laughs> it was a fantastic interview, and obviously being a big Canucks fan myself, uh, you know, Morrison being a part of the legendary West Coast Express line. Vancouver Knuck for what was it seven seasons it was uh it was really cool to be able to talk yeah. to him yeah obviously he's a bit of a legend in Swedish hockey as well having made quite an impression during the lockout season of 0405 which is our one, focus. one hit wonder yeah but then again he scored what was it 48 points in 45 games or something like that yeah, yeah. So it was pretty decent and we were just talking before going starting the show that yeah we saw some highlights and it's Pretty, pretty cool, and, and yeah, that's well, a season I will never forget. And yeah, you know, I've I've, ta- or I've heard you talk about it. I've heard multiple people talk about that season in particular. We actually touched on it uh, when in our interview with Mike Helber, who at the time was uh, the Lynn Shoping general manager. Um, and yeah, everybody still talks about that season as the best season of hockey in basically SHL or back then the actually Elite in series. the entire Europe, because you won't get that star power combined in one league. Should there ever be another NHL lockout? You won't get that. And it's such a rare rare thing to be a part of or have witnessed firsthand. Yeah. Because, funny story, I was due to do my military service that year, mm. 04, 05, and I got into the military in August. But I have an eye injury that kind of prevented me to, you know, aim. Oh, yeah. Which is, well, you need that. And, then, <laughs> um, and so they they let me go after like a week or something, and then I just... I remember sitting in, on the base looking at teletext mm. and it said Linköping has signed Mike Newell and Brendan Morrison. That's how I found out. And I went, God damn it, I'll, I'll miss the entire show. Should we maybe explain for our North American listeners what teletext is? Oh, you don't know, you don't have that? Anymore? No, we don't. Jesus! Man, you're weird. So We, we were too advanced for teletext. No. <laughs> well, it's actually... Should you or should well, I? Well, it's, it's basically just news text. On the TV. On the TV. Yeah. It's like a digital newspaper. And in Sweden, it's cult. It's like, well, it's still around yeah. to this day. Yeah, it is. And it's, it's in Sweden, it's the, the page, because it's a numbers page. So yeah. 377 is uh, live score. Okay. So yeah. people still use 377 as, as a funny thing. So. Well, I mean, we do have the news channels that, you know, like you have the tickers and all the like news popping up on the side. But, so... but it's accompanied with a window that has a commentator as well. But we don't, I don't think feel free to correct me if i'm wrong about this anybody that's listening i don't think we have just a dedicated channel to nothing but text news um at but least in canada it's a huge oh jesus you can't really go there anymore uh it's a it was a huge thing in the uk i know as well and uh well if you here you go there's a web page looking like it so yeah, exactly it's for instance the national swedish broadcaster uh, svt they, they still have their Teletext on the internet, yeah. so you can still do it. So if you any North American out there want to have a look, it's svt.se slash svttext in one word. So just go have a look at it, and that's basically what you get on the TV if you like. So. Now anyways, getting back to hockey, yeah. getting into that season, obviously, people knew that the, the NHL lockout was happening. Yeah, uh, They didn't know whether or not it would last the entire season, which exactly. of course it did end up, and there was no 2004-2005 season exactly. that year in the NHL. So coming into that season... Seeing all these massive names from the NHL come over, getting signed, like what was the feeling, kind of, from the fans, especially in Linköping, because Linköping had such a dominant team. Um, people, I think the vast majority of people didn't know who Brendan Morrison nor Mike Newell were. That's fair. At the time, they hadn't been massively exactly. recognized in the and, NHL. And looking at the other teams, like first thought they signed Marianne Gaborik, Sidney Shara, Sheldon Surrey, huge names. Moto uh, had the Sedins come back. Obviously, Ferlunda got Alfredson. We can go on and on, but Knubel Morrison, they were rather unknown. Mm-hmm. And Talinder was obviously well-known. Yeah. And also Christian Vesalius being a Swede. But looking at... I think it, curiosity would be the word I might be looking for here. People wanted to see them, but didn't know what to expect. Yeah. But as it turns out, it was the best line... Actually, line of five, we should mention the demon. Henrik Talinder and Magnus Johansson as well. We've ever seen. It was the best lineup we've seen in the SHL or formerly here in 
at any point. Yeah, and uh, Brennan actually brings that up in the interview how they didn't pull, they didn't roll forward in defensive lines. They played five player lines, yeah. so you'd get your uh, three player forward line and your defensive pairing, and they would always play together. Yeah, which I think is a bit of an interesting strategy. I don't think it would work in today's game. No, 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 it wouldn't because well, I don't think I think the game's too fast for that. Yeah. So if whenever you get out of if you would get out of like. <laughs> Out of line, so to speak, line changing for the forwards and leaving the D on the ice or the other way around, the chemistry would be lost and you would get, well, you could get steamrolled. Yeah, exactly. But, uh, that's um, my take on it. But just to give you guys some idea of the, the star power in the league that year, the top five scorers, Henrik Zetterberg led the league with 50 points in 50 games, and Christian Huselius, who uh, wasn't able to finish the season due to kind of a unfortunate incident, um, had 49 points in 34 games played. And Morrison had mentioned that uh, he was, I believe, on pace to break the all-time scoring record. Yeah, we should also mention that Huselius missed quite a few games due to uh, knee injury. Okay, yeah. So, but he, yeah, that that, in, that incident we're referring to was a rape allegation. Uh, if you want to listen more to uh, about that, we go Mike, Mike into Halber the Michael interview with that, Mike Helber, yeah. our like, second or third episode. You can listen uh, to that in more depth. Which but is- uh, Matthias Weinhandels finished third overall with 46 points. Sean Horkoff finished fourth overall. And then Niels Ekman fifth overall. On the other side with the goaltenders, you had Henrik Lundqvist, who of course was still playing for Frölunda at the time with yes, his brother Joel. Yes, before he left. Uh, Frederick Norna was for Lin Schoping, who eventually obviously went over and played for Columbus. Uh, Marty Turco actually... Ended up only playing six games in the league, but um, I mean Marty Turco is Martin everybody. Gerber was in Martin Gerber, yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, Michael Sandberg as well, top five goaltenders, and so the the amount of star power in the league that season was was absolutely insane. And Marion Gaborik only played like twelve games for Ferrystad and still scored ten or twelve points. Well, and he, he scored uh, twenty five seconds into twenty five seconds yes. into his very first With shift. A yeah, massive wrister going in the far side. Which I think it was against. Sadatelia could it be. I can't remember really, but yeah, that did happen. So but other guys, Peter Forsberg, uh, Dan Cleary, um, Per Ladine, who a lot of SHL people obviously will be familiar yeah, with. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, there was a lot, there was a lot of Ekman played a few seasons, I think, in the NHL, or yeah. at least one season. Justin Williams. We should also mention going back to Lean Shopping that this was the first season Lean Shopping had their new arena. Nowadays it's Cleta Center. Back then, it, no, sorry, <laughs> nowadays it's Sabrina. Now back then it was Cleta Center. That was the very first season for that arena. In so the they shiny got, new arena. Yeah, so they got off to a great start. Uh, start there, which was really cool, and obviously with. When Peter it was also Forsberg, just uh, a few seasons removed from them getting promoted to the big league too. Well, getting it? well, yeah, they avoid relegation in '03. Yeah, um, they got promoted in 1999, I think. Yeah, but then they got relegated right away. So '01. Yeah, was the the season. Um, it was one hell of a season. Let's let's bring it over to Brendan Morrison, and we'll get back to it. I think. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, yeah, once again, a big thank you to Brendan Morrison, uh, who actually I was able to set this interview up through Reddit. Uh, he has a, he was active on Reddit through his uh, own personal account, and he was verified on Reddit. So I sent him a message. He sent me his email. We got things set up, and uh, yeah, it all came about wonderfully. So uh, enjoy the interview, and uh, we'll pick it right back up here. For our guest today on the podcast, he is a longtime Vancouver Canuck, was one of three members of the West Coast Express uh, line, also played one season for Linchoping Hockey Club in the SHL back in 2004, so very welcome to the show. Uh, thank you for joining us, Brendan Morrison. Yeah, David, thanks a lot. Pleasure to be here with you. Yeah, absolutely. So, well, let's just get right into it. Um, obviously, you came over in the 2004 lockout, and, you know, a lot of players from the NHL do look at Europe during lockout seasons, uh, you know, whether it be the Swiss League, the KHL, or even some of the smaller leagues like the Norwegian or Finnish League. Uh, so what was it about the SHL and Linköping in particular that brought you over here? Yeah, so heading into that season, obviously a lot of an uncertainty with the NHL as far as, you know, is the lockout going to last the entire season? Is it going to be a couple of months? Nobody really knew, but, you know, at, at that time I was, you know, I was 29 years old. I felt that I was kind of right and still in the prime of, of, of my playing career. And I, and, and I didn't want to miss an entire season of hockey without ended up being the case. So um, the way it worked out with Linchoping is I was chatting with uh, Mike Knubel, who had a long NHL career, and we were teammates and line mates at the University of Michigan for two seasons, my freshman and sophomore year. And in Mike's freshman year, he was uh, teammates with Mike Helber, the former general manager of Lin Ping. So they, uh, 
so Mike and Mike connected and talked and uh, myself and Mike Knubel had the same agent and it, it worked out where Mike Knubel said, listen, we have a spot for both of you guys. If you want to come over, we'd love you to be a part of our team and uh, experience what this league has to offer. And then the consensus was that during that year, the Swedish uh, elite league would be probably the best league going, like best league playing wise. Uh, a lot of Swedish guys were returning home to play, etc., and they got a lot of other NHL players. So um, that was kind of the the initial uh, connection, I guess, if you will. And, and uh, yes, we made the decision to, to head over to Sweden and um, and join Linköping, and, and it was uh, it was a super fun year. Now you had mentioned Mike Knubel. Uh, the third of that line that you guys played with that year was, of course, Christian Huselius. Um, and obviously, talking to fans around town here in Linköping, that line of U3 is still talked about as uh, one of the best lines to ever play for the Linköping Hockey Club. So, what is it about you guys that that, that works so well? Do you think? Well, you're right, Christian Huselius, uh, and he had a phenomenal season that year. Um, he was on pace for a while there to, to break the all-time, I think, uh, scoring scoring record but uh you know we we i think we all thought the game similarly um you know mike canoeble was you know your, your your bigger power forward um not that swedish brand hockey was as physical as north america but mike could create a lot of room with his size um he was a pure goal scorer he scored goals throughout his whole career um uh, christian uh, was very gifted offensively um you know, could score goals, could make plays, could hang on to the puck, you know, and, and, and myself, you know, I think I brought a lot of speed to the line with my skating, again, creativity with my passing, you know, ability to finish when it was there and, and, and you know, cared about my zone, uh, played, played uh, responsibly defensively. So, yeah, we just kind of clicked right off the bat and, and to further our, our line combo, you know, what, what we did in Sweden, which I think was fairly common, is we like to play in units of five a lot of times, which was a little bit different than playing hockey in North America. Typically, it's, you know, you have your three forwards and then your two defensemen, and you're not really paired up as a unit of five unless you're on a power play. But we had uh, Henrik uh, Tillinder on the on the back end and, and uh, Magnus Johansson. So we had, that was kind of our unit of five, and... Uh, yeah, we, it was it was a, a huge thrill playing with those guys all season long. Now, one of the things that kind of um, took me by surprise when I first moved over here about the league was uh, the fans and how they uh, the atmosphere in the arenas with the chanting and the flag waving, and it's just kind of constant throughout the game. So, what was your first impression when you came over and you know you saw kind of the electricity in the arenas? Man, when I just you mentioning that throws me back to when we first got there and just brings a smile to my face because you're right. I mean, the, the passion, um, the excitement, the energy in the rink is, is, uh, you know, unparalleled. It was awesome. So our very first trip over there. So, you know, it, it's a long trip to, to, to get over there from Canada, like from Vancouver, like it was, you know, I think it ended up being like 15, 16 hours or whatever. But, um, once we arrived in Stockholm, we, we got there in the morning or early afternoon and Linköping had a game that night and, and I think it was their last exhibition game. So, you know, everyone figured, hey, it'd, it'd be a great idea if you guys played tonight to kind of get rid of your jet lag. So <laughs> we did the two hour drive from Stockholm and essentially I remember just going right to the arena and, uh, you know, we were pretty tired, but uh, the guys in the team were were very welcoming um you know they didn't know us from uh, from anybody and and you know didn't know what type of guys we were going to be this and that but you know mike and i are so laid back and, and, and just got along with everybody and had a lot of respect for the guys playing over there so we fit in right away but i remember playing in that first game and uh, sitting on the bench and then the you know the crowd broke out into different songs almost for every player <laughs> i was like man this is awesome like this is this is crazy. Kind of reminding me a little bit of the college hockey atmosphere with the the student section always chanting and yelling and that. But uh, yeah, that hear your name in a song for the first time while you're sitting on the bench and that it was wild. Like it was uh, it was wild. Now, other than uh, the fans being a bit more vocal than they are over in North America, when it came to the game itself, uh, what were some kind of differences you noticed immediately compared to playing in the NHL? 
Yeah, well, I mean, right away you go from a different ice size, right? You go from from NHL rink to the Olympic-sized arena. So the game was, was really a, a puck possession game. And what I found a lot of times is, is the game became a bit of a perimeter game because teams were very good at defending the inside of the rink, like from the, from the dots into the net. And uh, you could have the puck for, it seemed like, minutes at, at a time. But a lot of times it was tough to penetrate inside. But, you know, you, you'd keep the puck, puck possession. And even when you defended, that's, that's what you did. Just, you know, keep guys to the outside, keep guys to the outside. But the thing that I noticed right away was was the skill level, you know, right right in practice from everybody on the team. I mean, everybody could skate well. Everybody had great hands. Um, you know, everybody, uh, you know, could 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 handle the puck like probably on average better than guys in the NHL. So that was uh, that was something that really stood out to me right away. Are there any uh, kind of moments that in particular that stand out to you from that season? Well, I mean, we had uh, we had a lot of fun. Like our coach was Roger Moline, and 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 I remember um, early on there, I uh, it was a regular season game, and and I was the last guy back, and I was kind of carrying the puck up the ice, and uh, I tried to like toe drag a guy, and, and he poked it off my stick, and he went in on a breakaway, and our goalie that season was, was Frederick uh, Norna, a, a Finnish guy who eventually came over to Columbus for a little bit. Um, so anyways, uh, Freddie made, a, uh, Nori made a big save and I came back to the bench and I'm thinking, oh man, I'm, I'm going to get it here. Like I'm going to get, I'm just going to, cause you know, back home, you don't do that. You just don't, don't fool around. Don't tell drag when the last guy. So I remember sitting on the bench and kind of sitting there a little bit sheepishly kind of waiting for to Roger to kind of give it to me. And he came up to me and he just kind of patted me on the back. He's like, he's like, Hey, that's okay. He's like, that's okay. Next time it's going to work. I'm like, what? Did he just say that? Like, did he just give me the green light to try that again? So, uh, I mean, that's, uh, I just, the atmosphere was so positive all the time and uh, very, very little negativity. Um, really tight knit group of guys. And yeah, I mean, even guys like, I mean, on that team that year, like we had Johan Franzen was on that team, um, who obviously came on. Uh, came over to Detroit and had a had a tremendous NHL career, but we had a really good group of guys on that team. Now, uh, heading into the playoffs, you guys, if I'm not mistaken, you guys finished second overall in the regular season um, and were probably one of the favorites to kind of take it all. So was it a bit of a tough pill to swallow when you uh, did end up losing to Sotertelia? Yeah, it was awful, man. It was, even to this day, I, I, I think about that. But uh, And we were right there with um, really close to winning the league there. Uh, who won it that year? Was it? Uh, I don't think it was Farstad. It would have been. Where was Lundqvist playing? Forlunda, um, uh, I think. Forlunda, I think Forlunda won the league. Yes. Yeah. Um, uh, Joel Lundqvist still plays there to this day. That's right. His brother. Yes. And they had a good team, and Farstad had a good team. I mean, a lot of all these teams were good, but you know, we got matched up with Sagatelia in the playoffs, and you know, at the end of the season, we had we had an unfortunate incident with. Uh, with Christian and and he wasn't able to be a part of our team and, and and that hurt us for sure it kind of disrupted some chemistry but I just found that that series against Sauter tell you it was so frustrating and and you know I, I I don't want to make excuses at all we, we didn't win we didn't get the job done but it was like it was it, it totally changed the hockey from from the regular season it almost became like uh like a wrestling match over like mauling you it was frustrating and 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 um very few penalties were called, and we couldn't get our, we couldn't get on the power play. But anyways, it, they were tight games, and but Sautertelia beat us, and yeah, I was disappointed because I think everybody felt that we had a really good chance to to win the league that year, the championship. Now, getting away from life on the rink, when you were here in Sweden, how did you enjoy life in Sweden and Linköping as well? Yeah, well, we really liked Linköping. Um, you know, kind of the central square downtown, and and all the shops that you could walk to. Uh, you know, great architecture. Um, so at that time I have four children now, but at that time we had two. So I had a, I had a son who was uh, two and a half years old and I had a daughter who was 10 months old when we moved over and we lived uh, just outside of town. I, I don't remember the name of the complex, but it was actually an old, um, um, military, uh, accommodation 
So, uh, you know, nice courtyard in the middle, playgrounds for the kids. But what I, what I do remember, what sticks out in my mind is how everybody seemed to bike everywhere, even in the middle of winter. Like we had college students that lived, that lived uh, uh, you know, just, just beside us or a couple units over. And I'd just be looking out there or coming home from practice and they're like biking in the snow. You know, they, on the weekends when they'd go to the bar, it'd be like a bike brigade to the bar. And then they'd bike home at night. It was awesome. Like very active lifestyle. Yeah, um, nothing, nothing's changed since then. Still lots of bikes. are changed, eh? Yeah. You know, great bakeries downtown. I remember that going into the bakeries. Uh, but just the people were super friendly. Uh, reminded me a lot of Canada. Very similar to Canada. The kind of the demeanor of people. And um, yeah, we, uh, we enjoyed our time there. And we liked it a lot. Now, obviously, with a lot of Swedish teammates back in Vancouver, did you pick up any of the language? <laughs> a little bit, yeah. We picked up the odd word here and there. Um, you know, when you're in a dress room for, for a whole season, that was another thing that just reminded me that was interesting is when the coaches would give the pregame speech, everything would be in Swedish. So the first couple of times, well, more so the first couple of times, Mike and I would just be kind of looking at each other like, uh, what's going on right now? We have no idea. <laughs> but then after the coach had finished, some of the guys on the team would translate for us and say, you know, just do this, do this, do this. You guys will be fine. Um, so that, that was funny. Have you had a chance to come back since uh, since 2004? No, I have not had a chance to come back, uh, unfortunately. Like, you know, uh, we, my wife and I have always said we'd like to take the kids back. And obviously we have, we have two other girls now. In addition to that, but now my son, well, at that time, he was eight, two and a half years old, and my daughter was 10 months, like I mentioned. But So now my son just turned 18, my daughter's 16, and I have another daughter, 14, another one, 11. But, you know, we, we, we tried to take advantage of our time there as far as traveling. Like, obviously got into Stockholm, which is a world-class city, like, uh, just beautiful. Um, we got on the train, we went over to, to Copenhagen, um, we visited some other small towns, a lot of, you know, rural cities there with you know castles and that and um yeah we like i said it, it was it was a fun year now uh this is well uh, a swedish-based podcast but uh being from vancouver myself and a longtime canucks fan uh i'd be remiss if i, I didn't ask you a couple questions about your time with the canucks i'd also probably have a few friends back home yelling at me that i didn't talk about it <laughs> yeah fire away uh, man <laughs> obviously uh you're a part of the, the west coast express line one of the most legendary lines in canucks history um but you naslin and bertuzzi took a couple of seasons once you arrived to actually find that lineup. So how did that, how did that line come together? Yeah. So, so Marcus and Todd were both traded to Vancouver before I was, I arrived in on the trade deadline in March of 2000. So I came to a team there that was kind of just on the outside of the playoffs looking in, we made a good push down the stretch. I think we went nine and two or eight and three and just missed out on the playoffs. But you could sense in the room there that, you know, we had a pretty young team at that time. You know, guys like Ed Jovanovski as well, uh, Matthias Oland. And uh, you could sense that we we were building something special there. Then the following season in 2000-2001, uh, uh, that's obviously when Daniel and Henrik joined the team. And we had a uh, training camp in Stockholm that year. So we just we basically took 25 guys uh, over to Stockholm for 10 days. So essentially, our team was picked before we had any type of training camp. They had to make a couple cuts, but uh, that was a lot of fun. You know, we, we were at the Globe Arena downtown, all our practices, and we got to you know, experience, uh, you know, uh, downtown Stockholm as a team, which was, was, uh, was a cool experience as, as a group. Um, so with me, my, it took about a year and a half almost before I, I, I got connected with Todd and, and, and Marcus. Andrew Castles was their centerman previously. And then um, our team went through a bit of a stretch where we struggled for a few games and showed up in Detroit one morning and, and you walk into the locker room and the lineup posted on the on the dry board and uh, did a double take and I saw my name between Marcus and Todd and you know just kind of said to myself, man, this is a, this is a good opportunity here. Like take advantage of it. So we played that night, and um, I think we lost in overtime, or, or we tied the game. But our line scored two goals that night, so following game kept us together. And I think we scored three or four, and we just seemed to roll. Like we just we clicked right away. And uh, you know, when you play with 
with elite players like that, I mean, you have to do whatever you can to fit in. And, and again, the makeup of our line was Todd was at the time, you know, I, I think the best power forward in the game, but he had such a good set of hands. He was intimidating physically, he could score goals, create room. Marcus, again, with a pure goal score, his, his passing was very underrated, super high hockey IQ, uh, ultimate professional as a player. And again, me, just creativity, speed, being responsible defensively, you know, get these guys to puck. Uh, and, and we just clicked and, and, and we were hard on each other. Like we challenged each other a lot, but, you know, I think that pushed us to be better. And, uh, and uh, you know, if a guy wasn't playing well, the other guys let him know about it. And, uh, you know, it started in practice, you know, bear down in practice. And, and uh, yeah, it was, it was a good stretch of my career. And, and getting to do that in Vancouver, in my hometown where I grew up, kind of in front of family and friends, was a big thrill. Now, um, like you had mentioned, uh, you came over at the end of the 1990-2000 season, right at the trade deadline. But your first full season the next year was, like you had mentioned, the first season for the Sedins as as rookies in Vancouver. Um, now, around Vancouver, obviously, the Sedins are now legends. But seeing them come up through the ranks like that, did you notice instantly that these guys were going to be something special? Well, when they first joined our team, I mean, they were young, 19 years old. Um, I think they were 19. Are they 19? Yeah. 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 Um, very, very, like, super human beings. Like, so professional, so respectful of everybody. You could tell they had a great skill set, but they needed to work on a few things. Like, one, their conditioning wasn't where it needed to be. Um uh, so like the, their their the cardio, um, their strength wasn't quite there their first year or their second year. But I mean, their ability to to read off of one another, um, you know, put pucks where people should be was insane, like uncanny. You know, probably probably the best duo to ever play in the NHL. I mean, this I mean, these guys have been playing their whole life together. It's just they had a sixth sense of where each other was. And, uh, you know, I think they, they changed the game with some of the things they did as far as you know, how they would cycle the puck and um, relieve pressure from one side of the offensive zone to the other side of the offensive zone, uh, things like that. On the power play, you know, a lot of teams try to mimic, you know, what they brought in as far as that half-wall guy, you know, shooting uh, like an indirect like shot off the guy in the slot, usually – Henrik would try and find Daniel in the slot for like a shot pass on the power play, which, you know, hadn't really been done before in the NHL. And now you see everybody doing it. But, I mean, these guys deserve all the accolades they, they've gotten. Um, they worked so hard. You know, when they came back in, understanding they needed to work on some things. You know, by the time I left Vancouver, they were always near the top of all the, all the conditioning tests at the beginning of the year. I mean, their, their compete level was ultra, ultra high. No matter what they did, whether it was on the ice, you know, we'd warm up playing soccer, um, cards on the plane. These guys just hated losing and always pushed each other to be better. But as good as they were on the ice, they're, just, they're better human beings. Now, uh, you played with the Canucks for, what, seven seasons, I believe. And then um, uh, you left in for the 2008-2009 season. And for the rest of the, your career, save for one season, you played on the, in the West Co Western Conference. Um, so was it always kind of special when you returned to Vancouver to play play an away game, um, not as a Canuck? Yeah, it always was. I mean, it was always a, when the schedule first came out, that's one of the first things I looked at is, hey, when, were, when am I going back to Vancouver? And uh, yeah, as, as you know, you get all your family there, you get all your friends there. It's a big moment because a lot of times um, you're only there, you know, once a year or, or a couple times a year. So um I always enjoyed that, and, and, and especially my first time when I was with New Jersey and, and coming back there. I mean, the first time you play in your hometown as an NHL player, I mean, obviously there's a huge buzz with your with the people closest to you. So that was, that was a big, big thrill. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I enjoyed those games a lot. Now, in your time in Vancouver, are there certain moments that stand out as some of your favorite moments uh, as a Canuck? Well, I mean, there's probably a few right off the bat. Like, you always kind of remember your first goal. Like, my first goal happened in my first game against Buffalo and and uh, got caught up in a line change. So I was actually out there with uh, 
with Nasland and Mark Messier were still there at that time. So um, got to celebrate my first goal with the Canucks with Messier and Nasland, which was pretty cool. Um, you know, things like this are my second season there when Harold Drucken scored, uh, I think it was an overtime or late, late in the game to, and I think in game 81 to clinch our first playoff berth in a long time is the atmosphere inside the rink. And then the playoffs are kind of always what stand out. Um, you know, that's when everything's ramped up, you know, the fans, the passion, all that, you know, probably a memorable goal that stands out for me personally would be when we played Calgary in, uh, 03, 04. And, uh, it, we, it was game six, Calgary was up in the series three, two, we're in, we're in Calgary and, uh, we're up four, nothing halfway through the game. So, I mean, this, all the guys on the bench are thinking, man, we're just, we're heading back to Vancouver here for game seven. This is perfect. And the next thing you know, it's four, one, four, two, four, three, four, four. We're like, what just happened? Like we just had full control of this game. Now it's four, four. Now, now you're just holding it on, doing everything you can just to get it into overtime. Anyways, that game goes in the triple overtime. And then I was, I was fortunate enough to score the triple overtime winner to send it back to Vancouver for game seven. So, you know, little things like that stick out in your mind. Um, the things that you do remember a lot are, is the time in, on the road with the guys, in the dressing room with the guys, kind of the banter and all that. So, um, yeah, I mean, it was, it was definitely, uh, you know, the highlight of my career to be playing in, in Vancouver for my hometown. Now, obviously, the, uh, the, the current team has a good young core of players coming up. Uh, what do you think of the team this year and uh, what do you think is uh, in their future? Yeah, you know, I, I follow the team pretty closely still. Uh, I like the group. I like the core group of guys. To be honest with you, it kind of reminds me a little bit of, of the team when I first arrived. There was a lot of young guys kind of being able to grow together. Um, you got Swedish influence up front with Pedersen and, you know, the veteran on the back, backs, uh, um, Adler and, and obviously Markstrom and Nett, uh, Bo Horvat, uh, Quinn Hughes, JT Miller, their young core group of guys is is good. And uh, obviously they were pushing right this year, you know, sniffing for the playoffs. I mean, obviously they got into that 2014 playoff, but, you know, if it was going to be held uh, like a normal season, they would have been right there at the end. And, uh, yeah, I, I think they got a bright future. Now, getting away from hockey, um, now that you're retired and uh, living in Alberta, you've got yourself a, a fishing show. How did that come about? Yeah. Well, I've always liked fishing, even ever since I was a young boy. Um, you know, playing hockey didn't have as much time to do it as I'd like. But uh, I really got into it when I was, a little, you know, probably a late teenager, early 20s. You know, for me, it was always, uh, you know, a bit of an escape in a sense. To, but I love being outdoors. That, that's the big thing. Like, I love being outside. I love exploring, getting fresh air. I just, I really find you kind of dis disconnect, if you will, from in the real world, like your phone, technology, all this stuff. And it just, I, I describe it to people as kind of my meditation. So I was a guest uh, a couple times on a fishing show when I played. And I thought, you know, geez, when I'm done, this would be kind of cool to, to maybe host a show one day. And, and the opportunity came up where I was a co-host of a program for uh, five seasons. And then I branched out on my own and started my own show here uh, four years ago called Real West Coast. And uh, yeah, we got a we got a good presence on on TV and, and social media, you know, Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, which is and and I love doing it. Like it's uh, I get to travel around to some pretty cool spots and and and, and fish in some just absolutely beautiful scenic areas. But again, for people, you know, it, it's kind of my meditation, my recharge, my disconnect. But I still enjoy the. Um, I guess the competition of it, if you will, is trying to figure fish out on, on certain days. Like one day they'll be, you know, uh, feeding on a certain type of lure or fly and the next day they're not. So you got to kind of figure that out. But again, when you get that bite, kind of the electricity in the rod for me is, is a huge adrenaline rush. So I think that's kind of the package, all those things I mentioned. So what's the biggest fish you've ever caught? Oh, geez, I've been lucky to catch some big ones, uh, you know, right in the Fraser River at home. Big sturgeon in, in the Fraser River, my biggest sturgeon's just over nine feet, so a fish about four, five hundred pounds. 
But on my honeymoon with my wife, we were down in, in uh, Bora Bora. And, you know, she's game to go fishing for a few hours. But like me, I would sit on that boat all day long. So I agreed, okay, we'll go for a half-day charter. So we were in a tiny little 17-foot boat. And uh, anyways, long story short is I ended up hooking a blue marlin. And this thing is absolutely massive. Like it smashes the, the, the big uh, squid we were using and uh, just flies past the boat. Two and a half hours I fought this thing. And I, we had him in the boat like three times. One time I had the rod and the rod holder. I was looking over the side of the boat, just kind of in disbelief, shaking my head. Like, sheesh, I, I, like I didn't want to keep that fish. I just was happy. You know, basically, you can say we caught and released it because we had the leader, we touched it. But I think the guide wanted to keep it because I think he's thinking in his mind, you know, this is a lot of money for him if he can sell this fish. But I'm like, man, I'm happy to let this thing go. So, anyways, like from his bill to his tail, he was almost as long as the boat. He's probably like 14, 12 to 14 feet long. So, I don't know how big it was. The guide estimated it was probably. 400 kilos at least so that's 880 pounds but so he's anywhere from 800 to a thousand pounds that blue marlin that, that was uh yeah i was absolutely exhausted at the end of that two and a half hours on that fish was uh, was a long time yeah no kidding uh well brennan that's uh that's about it for my questions so thank you very much for joining me on the podcast um i hope you enjoy your summer and you had mentioned you're going for a hike today so have a nice hike yeah, great weather here today. We're going to head up to uh, Canmore, Canada's country here with the family. And uh, yeah, I, I appreciate it. Uh, you reaching out to me and being able to do this. It's always fun to kind of reminisce about your past and especially my time at Linchoping. It was, uh, you know, the, the town, the team really took myself and Mike Knubel in. So always will be very appreciative of that. Excellent. Thanks very much, Brennan. Thank you. Okay, once again, a very big thank you to Mr. Brendan Morrison. Uh, like we had mentioned in the interview, he's now the host of a fishing show, which is kind of a cool way to spend your retirement. Yeah, yeah, it's awesome. I mean, he's set for life financially and just he can do whatever he likes. And uh, awesome. there was a few kind of, if you probably heard, kind of just chopping, uh, choppy audio in there. He, uh, he lives in kind of rural Alberta. Um, the first interview we were supposed to have with him, unfortunately, his internet just disappeared for right, whatever I, reason i have a story about that so uh yeah uh so there was a bit of choppiness in the interview there but all in all it was uh it was great to talk to him um you know growing up being a vancouver canucks fan watching the west coast express line with him bertuzzi and nasland which uh, we touched on there was yeah so that was a, a great interview um and thank you once again to brennan for joining us yeah and the reason uh i wasn't able to be a part of it was that i have kids so yes. i had to take my son to the doctors um was awesome he, he he passed the tests he went through so which was which was really cool uh, i had to well i've had my internet issues as well you want to hear about them sure uh so yesterday morning i was supposed supposed to work from home because life why not <laughs> exactly uh i logged on to the internet and it crashed and i logged back on to the internet and it crashed and i got really upset so I called the uh, provider. I don't, I'm not going to mention any names because no free ads. Uh, they sent the technicians right away, which was really awesome. And he came and he just swapped some hardware. And it a lot on. And it, well, it worked for a couple of minutes and then it crashed. So I got pissed off. Uh, sent a message to our Facebook group in the in the community I live. Yeah. Someone had a spare router to for me to use. And I went, well, that's awesome. And I got a new router coming in from from the provider today i think uh and it still crashed so then i talked to someone else and we concluded that my laptop is no longer working the way it's supposed to fun so i oh yeah i noticed you came in you've got uh my wife's wife's one of my wife's work laptops which is it is awesome but uh so i ordered a new laptop and given the fact that i've got 225 megabytes worth of writing on my old laptop. I Oof. spent spent some time uh, uploading those. Transferring. To, you always got to have backups, cloud, man. Yeah, to the clouds and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, I've had a fun week so far. Out of my planned, like, 25 hours of work, I've worked three. Ah, fun. Hmm. So you got some catching up to do. Yep. But uh, luckily, anyway, there's no sports to watch, watch, so that's cool. Anyways, let's go back to the 2004 season. Yeah. Um, you have mentioned a couple times uh, one particular goal 
oh, scored yeah. by that Christian Huseles, Mike Knubel, and Brendan Morrison uh, line. Yes. Um, I, I wasn't able to ask Brendan about it. Unfortunately, I completely forgot. You had asked me maybe to mention it, but... Um... No, that wasn't the goal I asked. Oh, okay. It uh, was uh, his uh, goal against Sartatelli when he... Goes bar down. Bar down, yeah. Well, actually, it's just underneath the bar because the puck hides behind the bar inside. Oh, so... No, it bounces right off. It so, was in and out, so yes, not a lot of people realized exactly. that. Exactly, and he goes to, goes to the referee and just, that's a goddamn goal. Yeah. They, they video, review, video review it, and it is, it is a goal, but he's the only one in the entire arena. That realized. Yeah, because he celebrates, and everyone thinks he's stupid. <laughs> that was really cool. But uh, anyways, that the, the one goal you've been talking about, I've tried, I've scoured the internet trying to find a highlight <laughs> of it, and I, you know, I've typed everything, you know. Morrison Knubel Husalius 2004 goal and yeah. like I've, I've looked for everywhere but I can't find it so why don't you just describe it well it's a shorthanded goal I think it's Magnus Johansson uh, setting up the play and they just go like seesawing through through the HV71 defense and they outplay them in one man and they start in their own end they do yeah it's a long pass from Magnus Johansson I think it's touched on in the neutral zone by one of the forwards and then he comes in as a second wave, and I think it's Husilius finishing finishing finishes uh, the play, and it's it would have made a highlight reel in the NHL as well because yeah. you, you you rarely see a shorthanded play outplay the opponents in that way. We should also mention that HB seventy one was the only team not importing NHL players from the start because they, was there a reason for that? They thought this lockout was going to be short. So they didn't want to lose talent halfway no, through the exactly. season. exactly. But they did get Manny Malhotra and uh, some other players down the line. But still, they lost quite a lot. And they did... I don't think they made the playoffs. No, but season. they end up... Uh, they, they they were just one of the two teams that didn't yeah, make the playoffs the, or didn't yeah, get Yeah, neutral zone, so to speak. I think it was them and... Um, Malmo? Was it? No, Malmo got relegated that year. Oh, Jesus. I was I just looking remember. at that. Um, let me take a look here. It was... Oh, it's gone now. I got it. Uh, Mura. Oh, okay, yeah. Mura, who, which had uh, the Hosa brothers and Sean Harkoff and some other players, I think, uh, which was kind of cool. Anyway, should we uh, maybe talk about some NHL playoff brackets? Oh, yeah, we could do that. Um, let me see. I've got... Let me see if I can find them. Let's make, Yeah, let's make some predictions. <laughs> We're still not sure when this is going to happen. No, we don't know when it's going to happen. The, the NHL announced uh, they're heading back to... Training camps starting, tentative starting, I think, yeah. July 10th. I shouldn't say starting because we don't know. But, um, yeah, it's going to be awesome. It, well, yeah, it'll be really interesting because obviously we're not going to get any hockey until at least mid to late July, possibly early August. Dude, by the way, I just got to go back quickly to the season. Sorry for oh, hopping, yeah. but Fralunda scored 180 goals in 50 games. That's, that's like what three points, three point six goals a game. That's insane. That's kind of cool. That is very cool, but also insane. Yes, absolutely ridiculous. Okay, um, I'm trying to find the matchups. Oh, for uh, the NHL playoffs, because uh, obviously the the playoffs, the way they're working this year, obviously is a twenty four team. Uh, well, I know it's Arizona versus. Well, hang on, bracket. Oh, they'll. No, thank you. And the first round is going to be a best of five series. I got him, I got him, I got him. Oh, so do I. All right. Let's start, uh, should we start Eastern Conference? Yeah. Can you write them down since I've got a borrowed computer this time? Oh, yeah. So we don't want to lose anything again. All right. Should mention before we start, let's give a thank you to our patrons because I always forget that in the, at the start of the show. Absolutely. So thank round you, Lucas. Anton. Uh, <coughs> sorry. <coughs> Tobias. Daniel. Matt. And Zachary. And Zachary, yeah. Sorry, I got something in my throat. But uh, yeah, if you want to become a patron, um, you'll have an opportunity to ask questions to our interview subjects, um, because obviously we keep our interview subjects kind of secretive uh, before the episode is released, but if you become a patron, you'll be able to uh, get some kind of access to the people we interview and ask your questions. Help us get some new gear, because we only got one... Uh, we should actually post a picture on our setup here once I get my new laptop because I don't want to... Yeah, we're in my move. kitchen with uh, a yeah. single microphone that's meant for kind of online streaming. Yeah, so... It's uh, not bad audio quality, no, but could be better. More stuff. Yeah, exactly. Um, Anyways, let's get... Also, any- I should mention, I'm going to post start posting stuff on the Patreon at some point, like 
we'll post the brackets and our predictions yeah. and once we get closer to NHL action which might come first yeah. we should just post links and stuff and predictions and writings and stuff absolutely um, yeah alright let's go NHL matchups Eastern Conference we have we have the Carolina Hurricanes take on no let's go Pittsburgh Penguins first sorry they take on the Montreal Canadiens um, I'm gonna go I, I'm writing about the Montreal Canadiens for Sunday for NHL.com the Swedish site so um, and I gotta say I think people I'm gonna go Pittsburgh in 4 I'm gonna go Pittsburgh in 5 because I think Carey Price will steal some games that is fair and I'm gonna say Pittsburgh in 5 nowhere near confident about that okay uh, yeah, I say it Pittsburgh. Might as well I be. say Pittsburgh in four. I think Price will steal, be able to steal one game, but I think Pittsburgh, other than that, is is going to have a dude. Good Montreal are the third best team uh, on five on five or even strength play overall in the, in the league when it comes to shots, uh, shot attempts, on block shot attempts behind close games in the lead. They're top three in every category. Top four actually because they're fourth in on block shot attempts. Interesting. Okay. Behind. Uh, so it might be closer than I make. I think so. Um, their power play isn't good at home, but they won't be playing at home. They're third in the league on uh, away from home on the road. They are... Uh, well, I had something else going for me, but I kind of lost my train of thought. But it's, I think this will be a more even uh, series than people think. Fair enough. And it go might go either way, but I think the star power of the Pittsburgh Penguins will de- be the decisive factor. All right, next matchup. It is the Carolina Hurricanes versus the New York Rangers. Um, the Hurricanes on paper should be the better team, I say. But looking at the star power of the Rangers, the line with... Well, actually, it, it wasn't a line because Sibanejad played most with Jesper Fast and Ryan Strom. But when they put together the, uh, him with uh, Artemi Panarin... Dude. I'm and, and they also have a nice goalie trio. Well, it'll be an interesting goalie matchup. Yes. So, it's it's going to be a tough series to call, which is why I'm going to say it's going to go five games. And I'm going to go Carolina. Rangers in four. Rangers in four? All right, well. You're wrong, but that's fine. You're entitled to your wrong opinion. Yeah, I am. <laughs> Plus, you are the NHL reporter, so you probably have a bit better insight than me. <laughs> Anyways, next matchup. The New York Islanders versus the Florida Panthers. That's another inter- I think this is going to be one of the closest matchups. Me too. Yeah. It's um and I think it will entirely boil down to uh the play of Sergei Bobrovsky. If he's as long as on, there's no bears on the ice. True. If he's on point or if he's uh in any way shape or form near his play of last season in the playoffs. He's going to be the difference maker. The, yeah, and I think he will be. I'm going to go Florida in four. I'm going to go Florida in five. Five. Yeah. We should mention that head-to-head New York uh, are 3-0-0. Against Florida this season. Yes. Okay. Hey, playoffs are a whole different beast. They are. Everybody's had time to And last but not least in the East, the Toronto Maple Leafs take on the Columbus Blue Jackets. Tarana. Tarana. Uh... Uh, As much as I'd like to see Toronto advance... Because then they'd have a possibility of facing the Boston Bruins, which is always... There, we should mention the, there will series. be a reseed. There is, a, yeah, that's, yeah. Uh, we should mention. There, there, there's going to be a reseed after the first round of the playoffs. So the uh, previous matchups that we had said and that some people were expecting aren't guaranteed to happen. True. But Toronto, if they do advance, does have a chance to take on the Boston Bruins. Yeah. However, I'm going to have to go with CBJ in five. The CBJ took down the mighty Tampa Bay Lightning last year. Yeah, <laughs> that was. Oh, I'm sorry um, to laugh, but that was just hilarious. I get. I honestly, I couldn't believe that happened. I, was, I don't it, think anyone did. Uh, what uh, Tampa Bay had? What 100, 127 points or something? Yeah, something like that. 121, I think. Yeah, one of the highest point totals in a regular season ever, but, and they got swept by an eighth seed. Yeah, CBJ. And I, but I like the collective play of the Blue Jackets. And I think in this in playoffs, the collective play usually stands out with a few star performances, and they do have that in the very underrated Cam Atkinson. 
Chief among Switch. Who you got? I'm having the Blue Jackets in five. All right, we agree on something. But as much as I would like, uh, I was about to say John Shaker. That's wrong. Um, I'm blanking. What's his name? Hmm? The GM. Oh, I'm not sure. I'm totally black eyes. Ah, Jesus. Anyways, moving no. on. Western Conference. No. Wait, CBJ GM? No. Kyle Dubas. Jesus oh, yeah. Christ. The, the young guy. Yeah. And that John Shaker isn't old by any means. But, um, well, yeah, but Kyle I'd Dubas like, was the youngest yeah. GM in NHL history. I'd like to I'd like to see his project succeed. Yeah. Because it's a massive undertaking he's done. and I, But I'm not sure... But could you imagine becoming the GM of an NHL team when he, what was he, 29? Or? Is he the youngest? It wasn't John Shaka's the youngest, right? I'm pretty sure it was Dubas. Because like, he became the GM when he was in his late 20s, I think. Yeah, he? but he is 34 years old. And I think John Shaka just turned 33. Oh, you're right, John Shaka. Oh, he became the general manager at 26. Both, youngest GM in both NHL and North American major sports history. 26 years old. That's pretty cool. That's insane. Anyways, moving on. Western Conference. Who's our first matchup? We have the Arizona Coyotes. Woohoo! Versus the Nashville Predators. And this will be a goalie matchup. Well, they all, all will be, but this might be the... Uh, the goalie matchup. The goalie matchup, because we, have we got Pecor- Pecorini. Pecorini and Yusuf Saros yep. in, uh, on, the na- on the Predators. Yeah. And we have Antiranta and Darcy Kemper with the Coyotes. And Darcy Kemper... Antiranta? Antiranta, yeah. sure it's not Uncle Ranta? Oh, Julie. <laughs> um, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'm leaving. Uh, but yeah, this is going to be a great, um, great goalie matchup. I'm also really excited to see the fact that, hey, Taylor Hall's in the playoffs. That is, well, technically this isn't the playoffs, but let's not go oh, into that. technically it is. No, let's not go into this, because I work with the NHL, and I can't, we can't go there, so you need to cut my, this out. Um, I'm having the Predators in four. No, sorry, the Coyotes in four, sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, I'd have to go, I'd have to agree, Coyotes in four. They got Taylor Hall, they got Phil Kessel, and they have the most underrated shooter in the entire NHL right now, Connor Garland. If you don't know who Connor Garland is, I don't blame you. But I've been tracking this guy since the well last season, actually, um, where he when he got <coughs> promoted to the NHL. And this season, he has 22 goals and 17 assists in 68 games, which is fairly decent. He also is he's 24 years old. Um, we should mention he's a right shooter, which I kind of like being a lefty myself. Last season, in his first NHL season, he scored 13 goals in 47 games. And he's got one hell of a shot. Yeah. I really, really like Connor Garland. And whenever I do my betting, which, well, I kind of go bet on goal scoring for him. Um, they got a nice D decor as well. If this is, well, if there's the prime opportunity for the Coyotes to just hit the next level, this is it. They're doing it. I'm, yeah. I'm there. I think they're going to take down the Predators. Cool. Next matchup. Uh, the Edmonton Oilers versus the Chicago Blackhawks. Well, this is a kind of a I don't want either of these teams to advance <laughs> situation because, well, as a Canucks fan, I hate the Chicago Blackhawks, and as a Canadian, I hate the Oilers. <laughs> uh, but I'd have to go with the Oilers in this one. Although I think Chicago, despite the fact that they're a lower seed, is going to give them a good run for their money. Yeah, exactly. This is this might be the last cry of the. Of, for, of the uh, of, of the, the Blackhawks Black dynasty, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and giving such a experienced group of guys the opportunity to play in the playoffs again and just be the party poopers for everybody else will make the Blackhawks go insane. And also, if they get the chance to take down the Oilers, hmm. so this will be an even matchup, I think. I think, um, yeah, but, I think it'll be evenly matched, and but I am going to say Edmonton in five. Same here. But it would be really, really cool to see the Blackhawks go deep just because nobody expected it to. Yeah, the last hurrah. Yeah, and go see, you know, Patrick Kane become the Patrick Kane of 2010 or 13 or 15, whatever. And 
I have a soft soft spot for Jonathan Taves, man. He, he's yeah, such he, a cool guy. So, despite the fact he's played for Chicago and was not, I'm a not fan biased. I don't care. Fan. Oh, I am as a well, Canucks yeah, fan. Yeah. Come on, man. Jesus. But um, no, uh, yeah, Jonathan Taves, especially watching him, you know, in the World Juniors when he was a part of the uh, the five peat for Canada, that where they won the five gold medals in a row. He was a huge part of that. Everybody, you know, everybody likes him. He seems to be a pretty good. Person in yeah. general, a great hockey player, and uh, he's, yeah, his nickname is Captain Fantastic. Really, which is kind of cool. Hmm. Anyways, next matchup: uh, the Vancouver Canucks versus the Minnesota Wild. I think this is the only one I'm going to say a sweep. Vancouver. <laughs> yeah, the Wild. And, no, okay. No, the Wild and three. <laughs> Come on, man! Get out of my house. Technically, this isn't your house. You're just renting it. Yes, <laughs> you shut your mouth. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm going to say Vancouver in three. Uh, the Vancouver Canucks in... Actually, head-to-head, the, the Minnesota Wild are 2-1-0. <laughs> the Wild... That's cool. Um... It all comes down if Jack- to if Jacob Markstrom is back. True. If he isn't, they're fucked. Yeah. Because I don't think Thatcher Demko can backstop them in a playoff series. Even he had, though I would he, really like his prospects. He had, a few, he, had, he had some rough games this yes, past season. But he will be one hell of a goalie. He will. He's got a great future ahead of him. And he's certainly definitely the future of the Canucks when it comes to goaltending. Um, so what are you going to say? The Canucks in five. Canucks in five. All right. That would be a good series if it does turn out yes. that way. All right. Final matchup. Last but not least, I think. Or am I? Yeah. Uh, the Calgary Flames versus... Winnipeg Jets. All Canadian matchup. I always love yeah, all Canadian Sportsnet matchup. Yeah, Sportsnet and TSM. I, I, insane. I have been waiting my basically my entire life to see an all Canadian Stanley Cup final. The broadcasters would absolutely hate it because they'd admit, lose the entire American viewing <laughs> audience. But I would love to see. Honestly, my 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 dream Stanley Cup final would be Vancouver versus Montreal. Because yeah, cool. Vancouver obviously is my team, but when it comes to other teams that I like to cheer for, well, all the other Canadian teams, no thank you. Except for Montreal. I've always kind of had a soft spot in my heart for Montreal. I think everybody does. They're, they're, Actually, they're, they're just, everybody does. They are the NHL team. Except for Leafs fans. Except for Leafs fans, of course. And maybe Senators fans. Leafs fans hate everybody else, and everybody else hates Leafs fans. So, <laughs> uh, I'm going to have to go with Calgary, though. I think I'm not sure. I'm going to go Calgary in five. I'm it's, it's a toss-up, though. Okay, on the on the Calgary side, they don't have Mike um, Bill Peters anymore, so they actually play fun hockey and they seem to enjoy life more. Mm. Um, and they, I'd really like to see Michael Backlund succeed. Yeah, which is he's such a cool guy. But looking at the goalie side, starting from the net out, the Winnipeg Jets are ahead. Uh, on paper, they're the better on paper team. they're the better team. Um, and I think, honestly, Paul Maurice has more experience as a playoff coach in the NHL, and that might prove really worth the valuable. for yeah valuable for for the Jets. Also, they have their heart my heart trophy winner in in uh, Connor Hellebuck. Yeah, I'm having the Jets in four. Jets in four. All right. Well, they've only met once in the playoffs. No, in the regular season. I think they were going to... Oh, like, uh, their final head, final game would have been in the last part of the regular season? They were gonna, I think they were going to do like a head-to-head, back-to-back, and also a third game in the last couple of matches because they only had that uh, outdoor game in Regina, Saskatchewan Interesting. Uh, in October, which the Jets won 2-1 in overtime. Cool. Uh, so, where, could you sum this up? Okay, so Eastern Conference, Pittsburgh-Montreal. I have Pittsburgh in four, you have Pittsburgh in five. Carolina, New York Rangers. I have Carolina in five. You have the Rangers in four. New York Islanders, Florida. I have Florida in four. You've got Florida in five. Toronto, CBJ. We both have CBJ in five. Uh, Arizona, Nashville, Western Conference. Arizona, Nashville. Both have Arizona in four. Edmonton, Chicago. Both Edmonton in five. Vancouver, Minnesota. I've got uh, Vancouver with the sweep in three. You have Vancouver in five. And then Calgary, Winnipeg. I say Calgary five. You say Winnipeg in fourth. Yeah, you want so to we're, we're, we're kind of along the same lines in most series. Pretty much. Yeah. Oh, there's a there's just a couple disagreements. Want to do the awards as well? Not right now. Let's do that next episode. next episode. Yeah, that's cool. 
But, uh, yeah, thank you very much for listening in, because that just about does it for episode number 19. Another big thank you to uh, Mr. Brendan Morrison, who, honestly, couldn't believe the fact that I was able to get him on the show. I'm pretty, <laughs> You're still starstruck. Pretty, pretty, a little bit starstruck, yeah, absolutely. Uh, it was, yeah, it was, uh, it was fun to talk to him, so another big thank you to him. Um, once again, a big thank you to our Patreons. A uh, special thank you to Mr. Topias Josephson, who um, provided our intro and outro music. And, uh, yeah, check us out on Twitter. All of our Spotify uh, or Apple podcast accounts are, are linked on our Twitter. And, uh, yeah, give us a subscribe. And like Check we, out the Patreon whenever you... And, like, yeah, like we said, sign up for Patreon if you want some exclusive content. And once we get, like uh, we had mentioned previously in some episodes, you know, once we get 20 or 30 Patreons, we're hopefully going to get some, uh, like some, giveaway. some merch to, to do a draw. <clears throat> Maybe a signed jersey or some pucks or whatever it may be. So... Thanks very much for tuning in. Uh, as always, stay safe, wash your hands, and... Support your local. I'm going to do that now. I'm going to go buy some local beer. Ooh. Yes. I actually might join you for that. That's cool. Excellent. All right, thanks very much for tuning in, guys. Uh, hope you enjoyed the episode, and we will talk next time. See ya.